This is Tech Talk with your host, Tom DiOria. Tom will spend the next hour making your life with technology a little easier with explanations of the different aspects of today's technology and how it can benefit your home, small office, or enterprise. Now here's your host, Tom DiOria. Welcome to IMI's Tech Talk on this, the second Sunday of October. It's October 11, 2015. Tomorrow is Columbus Day. So happy Columbus Day to everybody out there. We're on at 6 p.m. in the New York listing area and 3 p.m. in Arizona. And today we're live from our New York offices, and we're going to be discussing managing sensitive company information in the age of social media with our guest, James Pooley. I'm Tom Diori. I'm the CEO of Information Methods Incorporated. And together with our weekly guests, our show will help our listeners, whether a business or home technology user, make better use of all aspects of technology. Just in case you're a first-time listener, in our first segment, Tech Talk provides you with a review of last week's most significant events in technology. We start with increased coverage of New York's technology scene, and we follow this with our industry-wide report, which could contain information on conferences, announcements by vendors, new releases of software or equipment, or new contract opportunities. One or more guests followed us from many aspects of business and industry, and if you wish us to consider a topic for a future show, you can email your suggestions to techtalk, that's T-E-C-H-T-A-L-K, at imi-us.com. We'll get back to you pretty quickly. Anytime after our show introduction, please send us uh, an email or give us a call with questions on today's topic or anything else that we might be able to help you with. You can call 277-KFNX. That's 277-5369. And if you're outside the 602 listing area, call us toll-free at 1-866-536-1100. You can use that email address I gave you, techtalk.imi-us.com, to send us uh, emails throughout the show. We monitor that, and uh, if we can't get you on today, we'll definitely send you a response and try and put it on next week. We're also being simulcast on the web, so if you can't uh, get to your radio and you want to listen to us live, you can go to KFNX's website, which is 1100kfnx.com. And if you want to listen to this show again or any of our previous shows, you can go to our website, which is imi-us.com. In the upper right-hand corner is the Tech Talk button. Click on that. All the shows are there. You can download them, listen to them as many times as you want, send them to your friends. It's free, so please take advantage of that. Please call any time during the show, and we'll try and get you on as quickly as possible. First segment of our Week in Review, it's our increased coverage of technology events in New York City and around the world, compiled by Dave Brandon, Jose Batista, and Dan Dioria. Cranes tells us that Quirky Inc., which helps inventors develop small household products, has filed for bankruptcy and plans to sell its assets, including the Wink Smart Home Business. Quirky, the New York-based startup, accepted a $15 million offer for Wink from Flectronics International USA. The company, which filed for Chapter 11, protection to guide the process, plans to conduct an auction if other offers are received and intends to seek court approval to complete the sale within 60 days. Quirky also is seeking a lead bidder for other assets and will conduct an auction if it gets offers. Chief Executive Officer Ben Kaufman said at a Fortune Magazine's Brainstorm Tech Conference that his company had run out of cash and was trying to raise money. Quirky said later that month that it was halting some activities, including production evaluation as teams focused on seeking funding. Quirky is hopeful that the ultimate success Full purchaser, where we start deals those operations and reestablish the meaningful and productive relationship with the community members. 
Mr. Kaufman said that the Fortune Conference, Wink, wasn't profitable. Filing for Chapter 11 protection wouldn't affect the day-to-day operations of the home automation business, according to the Post. Wonder where all that money went. Times tells us that IBM Watson, the big computer, is moving west and widening, widening its ambitions. company plans to open a second headquarters for Watson, its artificial intelligence system in San Francisco in 2016, and will eventually employ several hundred people. IBM's Watson Group, set up as a separate business in uh, January 2014, has its East Coast headquarters in downtown Manhattan. But a series of other announcements from the company may be more significant. They represent a clear sign so far of IBM's long-term goal to make Watson the equivalent of a computing operating system for an emerging class of data-fueled artificial intelligent applications. IBM explored paths to commercializing the technology after Watson beat human champions in the quiz show Jeopardy in 2011. At first, the company focused on big demonstration projects with big companies and institutions, especially in medicine and healthcare. But the plan has broadened, especially in the latest year, to move beyond custom work for major clients to creating a growing collection of services so that software developers at startups and elsewhere can easily use them in applications. Okay. The other thing that we plan on doing a show on um, in the future, just to let you know, is that we did uh, extensive coverage of uh, the Pope's visit to New York City. There's a lot of technology involved in the security area and other areas, and uh, we'll fill you in on the work that we did at the uh, Apostolic Nunzio's house to install current technology in that building, what went on at St. Patrick's Cathedral, as well as Madison Square Garden. So look forward to that uh, in future shows. Car cool technology to look for this fall. So Geico, the insurance company, has a newsletter. And um, one of their articles was there was a time not long ago when anti-lock brakes and keyless cars entry with the height of automotive technology. Things have uh, somewhat changed. Uh, today's cars are jam-packed with so much technology that they make some fighter jets blush. I doubt that. If you're shopping around for a new or used car, here's some options you might want to consider having in your next vehicle. Active cruise control. Cruise control of your was good for giving your foot a rest, but not much else. Active systems, though, can almost do the driving for you. They use radar to map the road ahead and then increase your vehicle speed or tap your brakes to match the speed of traffic. All I uh, have to do is keep the car moving in a straight line. Lane Assist, this piece of tech uses cameras to track road markings, and if it senses you staying, straying from your lane, it will gently guide you back to the straight and narrow. Adaptive high beams, um, they're great for uh, lighting up dark roads, but the whole blinding effect uh, within a quarter of a mile. Not so. Enter the adaptive lighting systems. They use a small camera to monitor the traffic and then dial back the intensity. Echo-friendly tires. Uh, the Especially, let's see, tires are especially designed to reduce friction with the road, meaning you need less fuel to keep your car going. Uh, we'll, we've done a couple of shows on the electric car, and we'll uh, talk to you again later in the year about that. Uh, Tesla is obviously the leader in that as well. Some useful websites from Bottom Line Personal. How, to, how safe is your hospital? Independent data on frequency of deaths from treatable complications, falls, ICU infections, and other dangers. HospitalSafetyScore.org, 
counterfeit pirated product self-defense, how to detect where to report information for businesses, legal ways to download music and films, stopfakes.gov, make more money online, earn gift card for answering surveys, playing games, searching, shopping, and other activities, swagbucks.com, not for Halloween only, top 100 list of horror movies and why they were selected. Timeout.com backslash London backslash film backslash film best horror films. And you can go to bottomlinepersonal.com to get more on that. Online automated system symptom checkers could be inaccurate about half the time. In a review of 23 websites, including WebMD, Mayo Clinic, and Doc Response, researchers entered the symptoms of 45 patients and found that only one-third of the sites listed the correct diagnosis as first possibility, and only 58% listed it among the top 20 suggestions. So be careful. And finally, credit card perks you may not know, and one of them is cell phone replacement. If your phone is stolen and you paid monthly bills with certain credit cards, you may be entitled to a new phone, so uh, check that out with your local phone. If you break it like the screen on your iPhone like I did and you purchased it with uh, Amex, uh, they replaced the phone for you. And I guess that's it for our Week in Review. We're going to uh, take a break. We're going to get to our guest. We're going to tell you about managing sensitive company information in the age of social media. I'm Tom DiOria. This is IMI's Tech Talk. We're on KFNX AM 1100. Please stay tuned. We're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom DiOria. It's the 11th of October, 2015. Tomorrow is uh, Columbus Day, so happy Columbus Day out there. And as I mentioned to you before the break, today's show is going to be managing sensitive company information in the age of social media with our guest James Pooley, who is the author of Secrets, Managing Information Assets in the Age of Cyber Espionage. Uh, James provides international strategic and management advice in patent and trade secret matters, performs pre-litigation investigation and analysis, and consults on information security programs. James recently completed a five-year term as Deputy Director General of the World Intellectual Property Organization in Geneva, where he was responsible for management of the international patent system, he has also taught trade secret law at the University of California, Berkeley, and has served as president of the American Intellectual Property Law Association and one of the National Inventors Hall of Fame, where he currently serves as chairman of the board. James, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. It's great to be with you, Tom. Thanks. Okay, so we're in the age of social media, cyber Espionage is out there all over from what we read. Maybe we can start at, at a high level and tell us what you feel the major threats are, both with social media and just in general with regard to technology and, and using the web. Sure, Tom. The issue begins with understanding how much things have changed over the past 
few decades when the asset base of U.S. industry has gone from about 20% intangible assets to almost 90%. And what that means is that information has become the currency of the 21st century, and studies have shown that for most businesses, that means using secrecy as the way to protect your comparative advantage. Now, the problem or the dilemma is that secrecy requires trust and people being discreet about what they know. And when you set up that need against the current environment of social media where our employees and others we deal with have been trained to believe that sharing everything is the right attitude about most of what they know and experience. You can see the tension that exists there. And so social media and the perspective and attitude that it has generated is a very big challenge for managing confidential information. Define a little bit of what you mean by secrecy, just by as in keeping a secret, or is it more technological than that? It starts with keeping a secret, just like we learn to do in elementary school. Somebody, somebody shares something with you, and you take it on under the promise that you're not going to tell someone, and then it burns inside you. Um, we all have had this happen to us as a kid, and you really want to share it. Well, as adults, we're supposed to control that impulse and be able to keep confidential information of the business, that is, things that you wouldn't want the competition to know, a secret. And normally, people can do that, and they understand that the information they get at the office about the company, about its products that haven't been announced yet, or the new research, is something they're supposed to keep to themselves. But what we're being told these days, as I said, is that sharing is the right thing to do. And so people have much more of an inclination that way than they have before because of social media. And isn't it Ben Franklin that said three people can keep a secret if two of them are dead? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's, um, that's right. So, so I gather it's, you know, it's not enough to, to simply warn your employees and tell them to go back to the playground and tell them the information that, that they, sh they should keep online. Um, how do you get them into the, either the frame of mind or the, you know, have stricter policies about the whole use of social media and, and how it relates to intellectual property within the company? I mean, do people even know what the intellectual property of a company is? I mean, as an expert in that, is that something you have to first explain the basics of? Yes, that's a very good question. And you've hit on one of the issues that is a, a real challenge for a lot of businesses. And, of course, businesses are in competition. They have to go out there and make money. Uh, they're taking a defensive posture about protecting information is one of those things that for some businesses is not a very high priority, and yet 
in these days where our competitive edge de- depends on keeping a lot of this information secret, we have to pay more attention to it and start with making sure that employees understand exactly what it is that keeps us distinctive from the other guy and allows us to stay in business and allows them to keep their jobs. So once you have an understanding about that, then people should be able, with some very clear policies and instruction, understand how in this special environment to keep that kind of information inside the walls of the company and not share it. But it does take some really clear, specific policies and instructions to overcome those tendencies that we were just talking about. So do me a favor and give our listeners uh, one or two sentence description. What is intellectual property? I mean, you, you've defined it as the secrets that keep you know a company giving gives a company an edge or something. Is it more tangible than that? Is it um, the code of a program, the uh, instructions to make something, um, all of the above? What is intellectual property? Trade secrets is all of the above and a lot more, but intellectual property covers trade secrets, patents, copyrights, and trademarks. And usually the kinds of trade secrets that most companies are concerned about are technical information of the sort that's like uh, the formula for the nooks and crannies of Thomas's English muffins, which was actually the subject of a lawsuit. But it can also be customer lists, it can be strategic plans, it can be financial information, it can be anything that isn't generally known that you can't find on the internet and that you don't want the competition to know because it can give you a bit of an advantage. And so it covers a massive amount of information, a lot more than patents cover. So secrecy is the kind of thing every business has as an asset. So do you recommend to your clients that they create a formal procedure on the use of social media, or is it more instructional as we've been talking about? It has to be both. You have to start with a policy that specifies to people, look, here's what you can do because social media can be helpful to the company, but understand that it can, it can also hurt if it's misused. And so here is exactly how far you can go, how you need to uh, share when you're using uh, social media, who you need to get approval from if you're going to talk about some sensitive topic, etc. You have to set those kinds of policies up, and then you have to engage the workforce so that they understand why they're doing this. I'd like to come back to this. We have to take a break. Uh, We're talking to James Pooley about managing sensitive company information. I'm Tom DiOria. This is IMI's Tech Talk. We're on KFNX AM 1100. It's the day before Columbus Day 2015. Please stay tuned. We've got the um, half-hour national news coming up, and uh, we'll be right back after that and uh, these messages.
Diamized Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's October 11, 2015. I'm Tom Dioria, and our guest is James Pooley, telling us all about managing your sensitive company information. And prior to the break, we were talking about um, creating policies and rules, basically, for the use of social media to protect uh, all your intellectual property. And you mentioned you mentioned a couple. Is there any one that stands out as as I would guess the the prime gospel of protection? I mean, is it if you have a question about whether or not it's sensitive, it probably is, or is there something? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's more. One, that's one way to start. And yes, the the most important rule of all the ones that you can establish is that you're not to use social media to discuss any products, strategies, company data, unless it's been cleared with your supervisor. That's usually the way that most companies ensure that somebody has an intelligent conversation about this issue before it goes out the door and onto social media where it can't be retrieved. Excluding email, to use social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, why do people put that kind of information out there just to show that that person is, you know, involved in this activity? I mean, why do, why do people do that? Do you have any idea of why they would use social media? Sometimes individuals simply like to share what kinds of things they're working on and talk about how important they are or how cool something might be. And the individual interest in doing something like that is what you have to keep under control. Companies, obviously, have a lot of good positive reasons to use social media because they can assist in marketing programs. But it has to be very thoughtful so that you only get out there the the information you want to be uh, in the public about the new marketing campaign about the new product and not what some individual has decided he'd like to brag about what he's doing these days. Now, are companies monitoring social media use? I mean, how do they know what my, uh, you know, whatever social media I am on that I am on? I mean, it, it must be very difficult to monitor that kind of stuff, a lot more difficult than company email. It is a little bit more challenging, but it can be done. There's a lot of it, and of course it comes from many different places as compared to company email. But companies already, most of them, are engaged in monitoring social media so that they can keep track of what people are saying about the company, how well some of their marketing programs are working, that sort of thing. And so it's not too big a step farther to make sure that you're looking at all of these social media comments in order to find places where somebody might be crossing a line, saying too much, so that you can come back and say, hang on, let's take another look at what we're doing over here to make sure that we're not spilling more information than we need to or that's appropriate. That's a good point, because I know we do tracking on both the radio show and the company. 
uh, you know, and get these. Uh, anytime there's a hit somewhere, I don't know where they're searching, what 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 they search. But you know, we get all this feedback that IMI was mentioned in these places. So I guess if they see company XYZ mentioned, then it's one of their staff saying what a great new product they're developing to beat a, another company out. That might raise a slightly red flag. Indeed, I mean this is not the kind of thing that you know people need to worry about being uh, executed over. It's it's the kind of thing that you need to do in order to have a continuing conversation with your staff uh, who are properly engaged in, in helping the company be out there and recognized using social media for all the positive things that it represents, but understanding at a more and more sophisticated level exactly what there's supposed to say and what they're supposed to keep quiet about. Now, we've read about um, some cases where, you know, employees that are leaving uh, one company going to another take the employer's social media contacts. Are there rules, whether, you know, governmental or industry rules governing that, you know, who owns the data, the social media contacts? Well, it's interesting you should ask about that, Tom, because, in fact, there haven't been rules except the rules of the social media platform involved, so that if one of your employees signs up for a LinkedIn account and uses it to build a database of contacts working for the company, these are contacts that are basically like a customer list, then... When that employee leaves, the account goes with him or her under the rules that were established to set it up. And so a couple of companies have been burned by this now, and it's gotten out, and people are generally aware these days that they need to ask their employees when you are setting up an account to do business on that account needs to be in the name of the company or they need to get an agreement with the employee to assign that account at the time that they leave in order not to have this kind of problem. So that, to me, seems like a tricky area unless it's part of my contract that I sign when I join the company because LinkedIn is more of a, I know it's it's a business thing, but it's more of a personal business contact thing so that when I'm about to get fired, I can use all my contacts and say I need a job. It's one of the things I could always tell when somebody's thinking about leaving a job. You know, they ask me to join them on LinkedIn. The rule that you should employ is not necessarily hard and fast, but these situations should provoke a conversation between the company and its staff so that they can come to an understanding of how to approach it. Generally speaking, you should try to have separate personal and corporate social media accounts. And that helps people keep the issues clear and, you know, that way they don't walk over lines uh, as, as easily. And when it comes time to leave, they know what's supposed to be left. But you have to have a conversation about this while... Employment is is ongoing. You can't wait until somebody's 
ready to walk out the door and you say, oh, by the way, it occurs to me that you have some information in your social media account. We'd like you to stay with us. That's not a, that's not a high leverage moment. Now, do you find that that actually works? With your clients, I mean, do they do that, and do the employees understand it, and uh, actually turn this stuff over? I mean, is that in practice today, or is that something that's still out there in the future? Well, this is an emerging practice, but if you analogize it to a lot of other similar situations that we've had classically with customer lists and other documents and that sort of thing, people are generally understanding and cooperative particularly if you confront the issue while they're still on board and not as an afterthought when they have one foot out the door. Okay, so that's a good point for all your employers and managers out there. And on that note, we're going to take a break. We're talking to James Pooley about managing sensitive company information in the age of social media. I'm Tom Dioria. This is IMI's Tech Talk. We're on KFNX AM 1100. It's the 11th of October, 2015. Please stay tuned. Uh, we're going to be right back with James and uh, continue our interview. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Dioria. It's the day before Columbus Day 2015. It's October 11th. And we're talking to James Pooley about managing sensitive company information. And as I mentioned in the introduction, James is the author of Secrets, Managing Information Assets in the Age of Cyber Espionage. It's a big word. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the book, where our listeners can get it? You can easily get the book uh, on Amazon. That's the best best place to uh, to do it. And I should point out, it's a business book. It's not a law book. There's not a single footnote. And uh, I think there's a lot of compelling stories in it. And who would the audience be? This is mainly for business owners, managers, or anybody that deals with a lot of confidential information, like lawyers, stockbrokers, other people in business transactions. And one other question. What is the National Inventors Hall of Fame? Where is it that you're the chairman of the board? Yes, it's located uh, at the site of the United States Patent and Trademark Office in Alexandria, Virginia, and the hall exists to honor outstanding um, inventors who have a U.S. patent and have brought to society something that is more or less a game changer. So there are over little over 500 inductees uh, in the Hall of Fame so far and just some really remarkable uh, people who have uh, been examples of American innovation to uh, generations of young people. I already referenced him, but is my favorite American in there, Ben Franklin? Ben Franklin did not have a patent. Really? But, ah. but I'll, I'll tell you who, uh, who is in there, Thomas Edison. The first two inductees were Thomas Edison and Abraham Lincoln, who's the only president to have had a patent. It didn't what did he commercialize. Have? Like most cool. patents don't, but uh, he he had a patent. 
That's pretty interesting. Okay. Um, you mentioned uh, earlier on that uh, training is the best way to uh, mitigate the risk of employees sharing information because they obviously understand what the information is that they uh, um, shouldn't share. Is this something you do when they first come on board? It's an ongoing process since technology is changing so much, and I guess the information is changing so much. Uh, is it everybody in the company, just the managers? I mean, what do you recommend? Uh, this is something that has to happen for everybody, and it has to happen on a continuous basis. Uh, Sorry to report it that way, but given how important confidential information is to virtually all businesses these days and the risks that you get from various places, including social media, we have to pay very close attention to it, and it means that you can't do it just at orientation. It has to be very continuous. Every time somebody new comes in, you know, bring in another crowd of people who have already received the training, uh, change it up, do it in different ways so it remains interesting. And you mentioned something about management participation. That's, that's a very good point because these kinds of trainings that have to do with setting priorities and resetting attitudes are much more effective if you have the upper hierarchy participating, if you have executives and managers uh, also demonstrating by their participation that this is important. I'll give you one example how this can be effective beyond just that kind of demonstration effect. Most of these cyber hacking events that we've heard about, including the Sony event, happen because an executive... Um, clicked on an attachment for an email that was prepared to make it look as though it was personal to him, and they got that information from social media. That's what the hackers do these days. And so you have to sensitize people to the suspicious emails that may have been prepared using the kind of information that they share with everybody when they leave the company and go home and get on Facebook at night. That's good advice. BYOD policies, can you tell us what the acronym stands for, and then should companies be concerned when employees work and play on the same laptops yeah. or other technology yeah. devices? BYOD was a term coined to describe bring your own device. You know, it, it used to be that when companies set up their computer networks years ago, they controlled everything, and you and all that you had to communicate with the network was the terminal that sat on your desk. And then BlackBerry entered the scene and we became mobile. But the company retained control over the Blackberries and the network, and it was a very, very secure system. But over the last five or six years, employees have pressured companies to such an extent to be able to use their own smartphones, their own uh, iPads to be in the company system, and the companies have felt, well, if we allow them to do that, then maybe they'll work more from home. So they felt a little conflicted about it. In any event, the war over control of the network has been lost and by the companies and by the IT departments, and now employees regularly 
bring their tablets and their smartphones and hook up to the company network. Now, this requires, again, some clear policies about use and some tools that there are technical tools that exist. They're called mobile device management software that you can... So, for example, if someone loses their phone with the company data on it, it can be wiped uh, remotely. These kinds of things uh, can work with a wide variety of devices. Okay, well, that's uh, that's an interesting situation. I mean, you know, they thought it would be a good idea, and then it came around to bite them. Yes. Uh, and, and it is. I mean, I remember when, you know, USB devices first came out, and that was the whole question, because the minute you plug that into your system, you've just violated all the company's security policies, because who knows what's on that uh, on that stick. Well, indeed, uh, and that remains a problem. You know, Tom, there are companies that have gone through the, their entire uh, offices and squirted cement, epoxy, into those USB drives, so the USB slots, so that people can't insert those devices in there and use them. There have been many instances of people picking up USB keys that were left deliberately in a parking lot of a tech company, knowing that you know some of their geekier employees would not be able to uh, resist the temptation, would go in and stick it in, and all of a sudden malicious software enters the company's system. So those things are a big security problem. And finally, I'd like to ask you, you know, we've been talking about social media and people using in a company using social media, and we did touch on a little bit at that companies are using social media these days for marketing and a whole bunch of other other reasons. How can they make sure that uh, what they're putting out there is what they want to be out there and not something that is detrimental to the company? Yeah, good question. Again, there are tools for this, but they all relate to a central notion of careful monitoring of what's out there, and you can put filters on those monitoring devices to alert you to certain issues, but what you're after is making sure that inappropriate information can be quickly taken down and any misinformation can be immediately corrected. That's what you're trying to do with monitoring your social media footprint. James, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. If our listeners want to follow up with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Just go to the website um, for the publisher, which is veruspress.com, V-E-R-U-S, press.com. Thanks again for taking the time with us. I appreciate your – I know you're busy, and I appreciate you spending the time. It was very informative. Well, thank you, Tom. It was my pleasure. Next week, we're going to again be live from our New York offices with the Week in Review, and David Mindell is going to tell us about robotics and the myths of autonomy. Hmm. I want to thank Terry Ruggiero, IMI's President, Dave Brandon, Dan Diori, and Jose Batista for our Week in Review. Taylor Redden's our producer, Tess Henshaw is our associate producer. Matt Campagni is our executive producer. And from the production department, without whose help you wouldn't hear a word we said, Robert Bombeck. Thanks again for listening, and please don't forget to tune into Tech Talk next week at 6 p.m. in New York on KFNX AM 1100. Remember to send us your suggestions for future shows or ask us questions by sending an email to techtalk 
at imi-us.com. Have a great week. Enjoy your Columbus Day, especially if you have the day off. And thanks again for listening. Thank <laughs> you.